if you'll start making your way back to your seats. As you do that, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. I'll give you a minute to get there, and as we do that, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to the pastors of New Breed. Um, even before Pastor Michael, Pastor Jesse came on for probably since the end of 21, Pastor Lance and I had been talking about what it would look like for me to get to take a little sabbatical, to take uh, an opportunity to, to catch my breath. And uh, as Jesse said, I have loved every minute of these past 12 years of ministry, but 12 years is a long time without without a break. And so I am thankful for this opportunity for rest and relaxation. I do encourage you when you leave to grab one of those sheets, just a little uh, letter from New Breed, some questions, and, and let us know if you have any questions. And so what I want to do uh, over these next three weeks, so my sabbatical will begin the beginning of October. So my, my last week in the pulpit for a couple months will be two weeks from now. So I got three sermons this morning, two more. And so the pastors, we've already mapped out a series uh, that they're going to be working through the book of Colossians over those eight weeks that I'm out. And so each of the pastors will be, will be preaching some. We've got some other people coming and filling in as well. So we're really excited about that opportunity. Uh, and we're just excited for an opportunity to rest. Uh, just so you know, Ali and I won't be here for those two months at Newbreed. So we'll be with another church who's going to be loving us and caring for us for those two months. We're not going to that church forever. We're not leaving. This is, this is just taking a break. Uh, Crystal Palmer, we are not leaving, all right? We, we're just going to catch our breath. And so what I want to do over the next three weeks, Lord willing, is I want to take just these three weeks and consider this idea of Sabbath, this idea of rest. Because here's the thing. It's good for us to get, as pastors, to get these extended sabbaticals, but Sabbath rest isn't something that should just happen every few years. It is something that should be built into the rhythms and the patterns of every one of our lives, not just for pastors, not just for ministry leaders. So what I'm saying is even for you, the Christian, the faithful member of the church, Sabbath rest should be a part of your everyday rhythm of life. And so what I want to do over these next three weeks is I just want to take each week and answer three different questions. So this week we're going to look at the question of why do we need rest? Next week we'll go where do we find this rest? And then three, and then three weeks from now or two weeks from now, the third one, how do we enter that rest? And so I, I'm hoping, church, that that as, as my family prepares to go on this sabbatical, that, that all of us would be coming to the place where we, if we don't have it implemented into our lives, come to understand that we need days of rest, of Sabbath rest in our lives. And so we're just going to focus on that for the next few weeks. And so this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to focus on this question, why do we need rest? And so I want to read this morning Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, and I want to read through verse 11. And so I want to invite you to stand out of reverence for God's word, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8. And I'm going to read through verse 11. Moses, as he's recording the Ten Commandments, records this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. And then he rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we consider this idea of Sabbath rest, I pray that you would give us grace to understand what a gift it is that you have given us. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give me physical and spiritual strength to preach your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Why do we need to rest? As some of you know, there's a a new series that was released on Amazon recently entitled uh, The Rings of Power. It's based on the writing of Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, and it's based specifically, if you didn't know, on the appendixes that appeared at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. If you didn't know, this dude wrote appendixes that were basically another book, and so they built this, this series based off of those. Uh, now, I, I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I still am a big Lord of the Rings fans. Part of the reason for that, and listen, I'm not just talking about the, the movies, okay? I read the books. The books are the, are the best. But Tolkien had this amazing ability to write in such a way that it draws you into this fantastical world and it resonates with you. I think that was the appeal of his writing. It, it, liter- it draws you in. You feel like you're in this world. Part of the reason for this is Tolkien allowed his faith to shape his writing. He once said that the Lord of the Rings was, quote, fundamentally a religious and a Catholic work. See, what he did is he drew on what he knew about the world, both the physical and the spiritual, to write stories that resonated with so many people. I remember reading and then later watching the Lord of the Rings, and it was amazing. There were so many scenes, so many characters that stood out, but there was one scene that always stood out to me more than the rest. It stood out to me in both the book and the movie, and just so you know, it's better in the book. It's always better in the book. Read a book. It's better in the book. But it's the scene at the very end. See, all the fighting had ended. All the work was done. If you know any of the story, the conflict was over. And Frodo, after all of this, he was left broken. If you've read it or you've seen the movie, you may remember that that final scene where Frodo and Sam travel to a place called The Haven, where they meet Gandalf, Bilbo, and the elves. And there, Frodo is going to board a boat and he's going to sail away to the undying lands, a place where there is peace and rest because death is no more. That scene always produces, it doesn't matter if I read it, it doesn't matter if I see it, it always produces a mix of emotions for me. Because on the one hand, after the story that just unfolded, you want Frodo to have rest. You want him to have this sense of peace that, hey man, you finished, good job, rest. But at the same time, I'm heartbroken for him. Because his life was lived in constant turmoil, so much so that he says in the book that he he has a wound that cannot be healed in this world. This world has nothing left for him but pain and struggle, so he can't stay. And I was trying to figure out why that scene resonated with me so much, why it had such a profound impact that, that even to this day, years after reading it, I can remember vividly that scene. And I think it's because in a beautiful way, Tolkien does what Tolkien does so well, and he picks up on how our world actually functions and how so many of us are living and yet how broken that functioning actually 
is. Here's what I mean. We live in a culture, specifically in America, that views the need for rest as a character flaw. I mean, just just think about the business world. Who's the person who's praised? It's the one who comes in early. It's the one who stays late. It's the one who's willing to work weekends. It's the one who is willing to do whatever it takes to make it to the top, and they will sacrifice anything and anyone along the way, including their family. You've seen it before. Think about parenting. Who are the best parents? I don't have TikTok, but I guess they're TikTok influencer parents now, whatever that means. The ones that have thousands upon thousands of followers. Well, who are they? They're considered those that have their kids in all the extracurricular activities. They have all the fun crafts planned. There's never a dull moment in their house. The outings are scheduled. I could not be an influencer because I'm like, here's the iPad. See ya, right? I mean, even how we do retirement in this country. Track with me, all right? It tells us, work as hard as you can. Don't stop right now. Get as much as you can. And maybe if you're lucky and you played your cards right, at the end of this, you will get to rest. We have cultivated a culture where rest, listen to me, is the end of life rather than the means by which we live our lives. And hear me, my primary concern is not necessarily how untenable this is to function with but rather how dangerous it is for us spiritually in our text this morning have you considered this that in the midst of God giving the ten commandments there's only ten of all the things he could have said of all the things he could have commanded the ten commandments what gets what gets the pinnacle focus in the old testament of all of them number four on the list rest Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, or your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city limits. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he declared it holy. Have you ever considered the fact that your rest is not only a spiritual discipline that should be cultivated, but it is commanded of you by your God? Liz, you should have got at least 10 more amens. Because you know how much I wish someone would command me to go take a nap? Like, to go rest. And God, I'm sorry, Aaliyah, my wife commands me to take a rest, but I don't listen to her. God commands it of you. And he doesn't do it because he's trying to punish you. He commands you to rest because he knows what's best. And so what I want to do this morning over these next few weeks is hopefully help us see and believe that. And and I'll be transparent with you, okay? I am preaching to myself just as much as I am to you. Because if you know me, you know that I I, I told somebody recently this sabbatical we've known about for months, haven't told you about it, we've known it's coming. I'm holding in both hands extreme anxiety and extreme excitement. And I'm I'm serious because it is hard for me to let go. Not just of of Newbury, that's just, that's how I'm wired. I I, I want to be moving. My, My wife makes fun of me all the time. She doesn't make fun of me, she's concerned about me. Even when I'm sick, I can have a fever of like 104. You'll get me in bed for maybe an hour and then I have to do something. I am up sweating, about to pass out cleaning things. It's just the way I'm hardwired. 
but I don't think it's a necessarily the way that God wants me to be. But I'm also excited because God has commanded rest, and it's a good thing. And so, so I hope to offer some practical guidance along the way how we can cultivate rest in our lives. So what I want to do again this morning is to begin to answer these questions. Here's the first question. Why do we need rest? Why do we need rest? So before I dive in and and give you the answers to that question, I need to define some terms here for you. So when I say rest, some of us immediately think of taking a nap, going to sleep. And that can be a form of rest, right? When Elijah's in the cave, like breaking down, God's like, hey, you need to take a nap and have a snack, okay? Like it can be a form of spiritual care. But that's not the pinnacle of what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about rest. Some of y'all got real excited. God says, I can take a nap and eat a snack. Praise God. Yes, he, he loves you that much. But I, but I want to define a little bit more clearly what I mean when I say Sabbath rest. And there's a helpful quote from, from, from a man named Peter Scazzaro in a book that he wrote called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And he gives a helpful definition of Sabbath. I like it a lot. And so here's his definition. He says, biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work. We're going to parse this out in a minute, but we stop work, we enjoy rest, we practice delight, and we contemplate God. And I know for some of you, this seems impossible. You hear like 24 hours, like a whole day, you want me to block out a whole day, ain't no way. But I, but I want to be upfront with you. One of my hopes and prayers over these next three weeks for myself and for you is that this brief series would cause us to think deeply about how we can cultivate Sabbath rest in our lives. And listen to me, it very well may mean that we have to be willing to disrupt the entire flow of our life because we believe what God commands is best. It might mean that we have to disrupt all of the patterns that we have established because we believe that what God has is best. We'll talk specifically more about the disrupting patterns in a couple weeks. But again, the question, why do we need rest? I have three truths I want us to consider as we seek to answer that question this morning. Here's the first. Rest is practical. Why do we need rest? Because rest is practical. Look again at verse 11. It says, for the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he, God, rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. What I want you to pay attention to in verse 11 is the fact that after creation, God himself rests. We see this in Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1 recounts for us the six days of creation. You know the story. On the first day, God creates the heavens and the earth. He separates light and darkness. On day two, God creates the earth's atmosphere, separating the water into two parts. 
On day three, God creates dry land and ocean. He creates seed-bearing plants and trees that bear fruit. On day four, he creates the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets. On the fifth day, he creates the things that swim in the oceans and that fly in the sky. And on the sixth day, God creates the animals on the land. And then from the dust, he forms man and woman. And then you get to Genesis 2, beginning in verse 1. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. I want to be clear with you. This is not God resting because he's tired. This is not God resting because he's weary and worn out. This is God resting because he is the start and the finish. And the job of creation is done. And God wants to delight in and enjoy that which he has made. He's done. He has made creation. The job is finished. And he wants to delight in and enjoy what he has made. So when we say that rest is practical, we mean, it, we mean it's a practical way in which we can declare that we believe that God is God all by Himself. It's a testimony to the fact that the work of God is sufficient all by itself. And this serves as a reminder to us that God is God all by Himself. If God rests, it means the job is done. If I rest, it means I believe that He has finished the work. So let me, let me press in here a little bit to make sure we get it. The reason we need rest, Sabbath rest, is because day in and day out, you and I are tempted to try to take the role of God. We are tempted to try to do everything. I'm not picking on you. If this is you, it's not me. I, I got nobody in mind when I say this, okay? We are, we are tempted to try to do everything. We are tempted to try to be at every event and everywhere. We're tempted to try to serve everyone. And in the end, we are insufficient. And the reason for that is because you and I were not meant to function as God functions. And when we rest, we are declaring that God, I'm going to trust you to be God. Because here's the truth of the matter, church. God's a better God than you could ever be. And you know it to be true. Because if we're honest, we've tried to hold some situations together and they've still fallen apart. We've tried to serve everyone and somehow we've still let people down along the way. We've tried to fix hard situations on our own and somehow, despite our best intention, we made them even messier than when we walked into it. But on the other hand, There are some people in this room who could testify to the fact that there is a God who has never failed to meet the needs of his people. That there is a God who came to this earth and did not come to be served, but to serve. There is a God who specializes in taking no way and creating a way. God is a better God than you and I could ever be. And as we rest, we are practically declaring with our lives, hey, God's got this. God's got it. But even more than that, it's practical not just in the sense in that we are declaring that God has got this, we're also declaring God has got me. See, Sabbath rest is practical in the sense that it is one of the easiest ways to declare with our lives that we need God. We need God. Have you ever thought about that? That the easiest way to declare that you believe that God has got you 
is to actually stop doing all the things and to rest. Because here's the, here's the thing, church. I don't care how smart you are. There's some smart people in this room. You're going to come to a time in your life where you are not smart enough. I don't care how strong you are. There is going to come times in life when you are not strong enough. I don't care how determined you are. There is going to come a time in life when you are not determined enough. And what I'm trying to say is even at your best, you still need God. And the problem is that some of us genuinely believe that God needs us more than we need him. I'm going to preach it like I feel it for a minute. You're going to go with me one way or the other. God has never needed you, and he knows it. The problem is you don't. God has never needed you, and he knows it. He wants you. He delights in you. He loves you, but he has never needed you. And so let me just remind you this morning, God has never needed you to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. God doesn't even need you awake to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. Oh, I know it's to be true because while Adam slept, God formed another human being out of his ribs. When Job slept, God began teaching him about who he is and who Job is not. God doesn't even need you awake to reveal himself to you. While Samuel slept, God was anointing him for a prophetic purpose. And what I'm trying to say is we need a David-like declaration that my enemies are all around me. My life is in shambles and nothing is going the way I thought it would go. But nevertheless, I'm going to lay my head on this pillow and sleep in peace because I have a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. He never grows tired or weary. And even when I have nothing left, God's got even more to give. And there ought to be at least two or three people this morning who can testify to the fact that when you had nothing left to give, God was still working because he never needed you in the first place. Listen to me, we say more about our dependence on God and our trust in his sovereignty. We say more in our rest than we do in our work. And I know some of you right now think that the way that I prove that I trust God is by doing all the stuff. And there's a time to do the stuff. I'm not calling you to laziness. We'll talk about that in a second. But we say more about the fact that we trust God and that we believe he is on his throne when we are willing to rest and stop working. When we fail to cultivate rest, we will fail to be reminded of the truth that we need God. And without him, we will find ourselves beginning to burn out. Let me just say this before I move on. If that's you this morning, if you're like, Pastor, like that's me. I'm doing all the stuff and I'm tired. Can I be honest? I'm tired. Let me encourage you with what God has been using to encourage me. Isaiah 40, 28 through 30, 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. 
He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths become faint and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not be faint. And one of the chief ways we trust the Lord and experience that fullness of His power and His strength and His blessing in our life is by being willing to rest in Him. Even when you have 50,000 other things to do, even when everybody wants your attention, still you say, no, no, no. Today is my day to rest and delight in Jesus. Rest is practical. But even more, rest has a purpose. Rest has a purpose. Did you notice how this command in Exodus 20, in the midst of the Ten Commandments, how it, how it begins and ends. Look, look at verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then the very end of verse 11. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. You see, the command to rest is sandwiched between an understanding that our Sabbath rest is sacred. It is set apart. How? Well, you see, our rest has a purpose. It's not just about sleeping and watching movies. Sorry. That's not biblical rest. I mean, let's go back to the definition that we shared just a moment ago, where he says that biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Look at how he describes it. It's four things, and I love these four things. First is stop work. Stop work. I'll be honest with you, this is the hardest one for me. Because when I think stop work, I just think, oh, I'm not going to go to work. But then I'll go home and start doing all the work at the home. There's still a hole in my basement that needs to be patched because I need to crawl in there to fix my dryer vent. Right? Sabbath day is not the day to fix that. If anybody wants to come fix it, I'm available all day. Your Sabbath day. It's not, the day, it's not the day to go out there and cut the grass and trim the bushes and do all the things that got neglected at home because you were working outside the home. It's still work. Now, I want to be careful, right? We don't want to be legalistic. We're going to talk about this in a minute. For some of you, that might be restful. Like, it is restful for me to cut the grass. Like, there is something about my mind where I see the beauty of God in a, in a mess that is made clean, and I get to say, wow. Like, it, it actually pushes me to think about God. For some of you, you're like, that's stupid. That's not me. I don't want to cut the grass. That's fine. The goal is that we stop work. We stop work. And then second, we actually enjoy the rest. Well, how do we do that? We find things that help us rest. Listen, maybe this means I'm just getting old, but one of my favorite things to do right now is to just go for a walk outside. Like 20, 30 minutes to pray, to see trees and the sky, and it forces me to do the fourth thing and to contemplate God and to think about Him, right? We want to find ways that we can enjoy our rest. For some of you, that might mean reading a good book. It doesn't even have to be a Christian book. Right? But to, to find something that helps you enjoy this downtime. But then we want to practice delight. We want to actually give thanks to God for the good things that he has given. See, sometimes it's hard to praise God for the work because we never actually step outside of the work. It's hard to thank God for our family because we never actually step outside of serving our family. 
And sometimes we've got to take a step back and just practice delighting in the things that God has given you. You like to run? Go run on your Sabbath and thank God for the legs that he gave you. Right? Like, like it's not, I'm not trying to cultivate this rest where like you're sitting in an office or your basement or your prayer closet for 24 hours straight. Right? That's probably not the holiest thing for you to do. It is to delight. Listen, when God made the earth, he stepped back and said, this is great. I want to enjoy it. I want to walk with my creation in the garden. I want to hover over the waters. I want to look at the stars that I have made and delight in what my hand has created. And sometimes we've just got to stop and delight in what God has given us. And it's hard to do that when we're working all the time. But then the final one is to contemplate God. We do want moments. We need moments in our Sabbath rest where we focus on the Lord through reading, through prayer, through silence, through listening. See, some of us are so good at talking to God and we've never cultivated the discipline of listening to God. And we want to sit and think about God. Like, just think about him. Like, you'll be amazed. Sit for 10 minutes and try to think about how big God is and watch yourself start to worship. Take a step back and think about how sovereign God is. And you'll find yourself bowing at his throne. See, rest, it has a purpose. And the focus of Sabbath rest, though it is for our good, it's ultimately not about us. It's about God. It's about seeing him, focusing on him, delighting in him and savoring him and doing this, not because everything is going the way we want but resting when things are chaotic all around us, resting even though there are so many things that need to get done. It is a purposeful rest that testifies that in spite of everything going on, God is better. It is enjoying Him, even if nothing else in life at that moment is enjoyable. And this delight This is the pattern set by God himself. I mentioned it a moment ago. When God rests in Genesis 2, it is again not because he's tired, not because of all that creating wore him out. No, God's rest is him entering into enjoyment and delight with the things that he has made. Some people have called this, and I agree with it, they've called it the creation covenant in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, an actual covenant that's not necessarily spoken in terms of this is what you're going to do, this is what I'm going to do, but it's a covenant established after creation was finished, a covenant focused on delighting, on mutual delight. Adam and Eve were to walk in the garden and delight in their creator, and the creator wanted to walk in his garden and delight in his creation. Creation was meant to rest with God as God rested with his creation. And this is what I'm I'm trying to get at. Sabbath rest has a real purpose. And a key part of that purpose is to help us cultivate a deep relationship with God. This world is so distracting, church. And now more than ever, we are constantly on the go. We are inundated with news and information and tweets and Facebook posts and Instagram pictures. We have a constant stream of entertainment at our fingertips. And if we are not careful, our attempts at rest will develop a lesser delight in things that won't ultimately satisfy. We'll start to delight in things that are less than God, and we will find that they will not ultimately 
satisfied. We have to be intentional with our rest. When we rest, we, we need to actually stop and enjoy the rest that God calls us to delight in God, to dwell in Him. And if our rest is for a purpose, then we have to make sure we are purposeful about our rest. Here's the thing. I'll just tell you what I'm I'm trying to develop this pattern in my own life. I'm trying to develop a literal 24-hour period for myself and for my wife where we can have Sabbath rest. And we won't do it on the same day. Like if my wife is resting, I want to be the one cooking dinner. I want the one be the one who is hanging with the kids. Now I know some of us are in different seasons of life. You're a parent. You're always going to have, you're going to have your kids around. And you can still do Sabbath rest with your kids around. It's going to be more restful when they're not around, but you can do Sabbath rest <laughs> with your kids around. But I, but I want to be clear about this. I'm not articulating some legalistic expectation. This isn't a, if you don't do 24 hours every seven days, you're in sin. That's, that's not the point of this. I mean, Jesus says in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Like This is a gift for you. It's not to control you. It is to be for your good. So, so it's okay if you can't do a full 24-hour period. I'm, I'm hoping to cultivate that in my life. It's hard for me, right? Because the day I would recommend you do it is this day on Sunday. It's a work day for me. And I'm okay with that. So what would that look like? Right? Maybe it's, maybe it's noon on Sunday to noon on Monday. Where I, I get home. I don't stop preaching at noon. Maybe it's 2 o'clock. Maybe it's 2 o'clock on Sunday. To, no, no, we can't. To 2 o'clock on Monday. A time where I unplug where I'm not answering phone calls, where I'm not running around serving people, a time where I get to read a book and go for walks and talk with my wife and pray to my God, right? We, we, we want to try to cultivate these things. It's not legalism, but we need to build patterns into our lives. We are habitual people. We function best with patterns. And for some of us, like I mentioned, this is going to take fully disrupting the vibe and the rhythm of our life. It might mean for some of you, you got to start saying no to other things that you think bring you more joy and find that Sabbath rest will provide an even better joy. We have to fight to cultivate this. We have to be purposeful with it. It takes planning, especially if you have kids. It takes wisdom. And even in my two-month sabbatical, it's one of the things I'm going to try to work on with Aaliyah is us cultivating, how can we do this? How can we have two different Sabbath days rest where we both just get to delight in the Lord? And some of you think, man, that might be too much. I think it will be for your good in the long run. It will be for a stronger marriage. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a more faithful servant. Ultimately, we have to be purposefully cultivating a deeper relationship with, dependence on, and delight in God. Because here's the danger of not doing this, church. I've seen it in others. If I'm honest, I've seen it in myself in seasons, and the Lord has been kind to pull me back from the edge because I've seen pastors fall off. We can work so hard for Jesus, and this isn't just pastors, this is you too, saint, we can work so hard for Jesus without any rest that we cease to delight in Him. And rather, we should delight in Him so much that we want to work with Him. So we get the order wrong. We think if we do all this stuff for God, we'll somehow start to love Him more. And the picture in Scripture is delight in God and watch how easy it is to do all this stuff. 
And if we're not careful, we can work ourselves right out of joy. We can work ourselves right out of delight. And we can fall out of love with Jesus. We should delight in him so much that we want to work with him. And this only happens when we are willing to rest. Again, one of the reasons we fail to delight in him, another reason is because we refuse to declare with our lives that we need him by refusing to rest. Let me, let me just say it as plain as I can for you. You cannot work yourself into a deeper relationship with God. You can only rest yourself there. And I don't think that should shock us because that in essence is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This leads to the final truth that I want you to see. Not only is rest practical, not only does rest have a purpose, but rest is powerful. Rest is powerful. Here's, here's what I mean. Rest is a powerful declaration that we believe the gospel to be true. Look again at Exodus 20, verses 9 and 10. It says, you are to labor six days and do all your work, right? So there it is. You actually have to work. This isn't a call to just perpetual laziness. I'm sorry if you got really excited. I'm going to go home, babe. I can't ever do the dishes or fix the car ever again. I have to enter into rest. No, you work. You work hard for the Lord. You are faithful with what he has called you to and tasked you with. But not every day. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant. It's almost as if God wants this to be a pattern in the home. Your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. What God calls the people to, again, is not to be lazy. To work, to work hard, to be faithful. But when we rest, it is Sabbath to the Lord. It is a rest for and in God. It is believing that though we work, it is in His finished work that we find our rest. In that book that I mentioned earlier, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, Peter Scazzaro, he wrote words that when I read them, I began to weep. I probably read these four sentences 25 times and then I copied them put them in my one day in a sermon notebook because I got that I hung it up at my desk I mean it, it just resonated with me specifically for me as a pastor my soul needed to be reminded of it but it's not just for pastors they are words that we all need to be reminded of listen to what he said he said Sabbath is without a doubt the most important day of the week for my leadership it's also the one day of the week that I most believe and live out a fundamental truth of the gospel. How I do nothing productive, and yet I am utterly loved by God. Oh, if we would believe that. That we don't have to perform our way into the love of God. And when we are willing to take Sabbath rest, we are declaring that we believe the gospel to be true because we are doing nothing and God loves us all the same. You see, part of the reason Sabbath rest is so powerful 
is it actually forces us to practice what we preach. It forces us to remember the beautiful truth of the gospel that God loves me and that love has never been contingent on what I do. God's love for me has never depended on my works and what I can produce in this life. God's love for me is secure because of what Christ has done on my behalf. Because God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross and not because I'd cleaned myself up, not because I was good or religious or right. It was nothing, nothing like that because while we were still sinners Christ died for us God loved me so much that he sent Jesus to live the life that I should have lived to die the death that I deserved to die and three days later to raise from the dead it is by grace that we have been saved and it is because of grace that we will continue to be loved and so let me, let me end with this this morning. If you are here and you are not a Christian, I want you to know that your soul longs for rest. And if you're honest, you might be searching for it in a hundred different places. But it was St. Saint, Saint Augustine who said, Of God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And if you are here and you have not rested in Christ, I want you to know that God loves you so much. That, that he sent Jesus who came to live the perfect life that we cannot live because we are trapped in our sin and he died and took our punishment and was raised from the dead and we are invited to come to him, to cast our cares on him, to place our faith in him and to find hope and salvation and life and rest. I encourage you to come to Jesus, and I would love to talk with you more about that. But if you are here and you are a Christian, and you are struggling to rest, if you are struggling to believe that if you stop, God will still love you and see you as valuable and worth it, let me remind you that he has already proven that on the cross. And the empty tomb declares to us that he has power and victory not just to save you but to keep you even when you need to rest. And so for the unbeliever and for the believer alike, these are, these are the words that I would repeat to you. And they come from our Savior himself, which we'll look at in fuller detail next week. Matthew 11, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters, we need rest. Not only has God modeled it for us, but he has invited us into it. And rest is good for our souls.